Somebody had one picked out already. We'll go ahead and do our message. Oh, Did anybody? Right message. All right, well, let's do the message then. All right, doing the message. <laughs> All righty. All right, so we're going to be back at John chapter 13 today. And uh, I guess this is not uh, totally a Easter message, but uh, it can kind of be qualified because we're leading up to that time. But remember the book of John is about the seven signs, the seven miracles that point to the fact that Jesus is God, right? He's God in human flesh and that we should believe those signs, those miracles with a message and believe and we might have life in his name. We see that John comes and says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We see the, the miracles that Jesus does. He turns the water into wine. He heals the boy from 15 miles away. He uh, heals a man who's been laying by a pool for 38 years. We see he heals a, a, a well, he turns the five loaves and two fish into enough food to feed 15, 20,000 people, five men, 1,000 men plus women and children. We've seen that he heals a man who was born blind, right? Gives him two brand new eyes. And he spits on the ground, makes mud, and then the last thing he does is what? Turns, he takes Lazarus, who's been in the grave for four days, and he brings him out. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And so we've seen all of that. We've seen that uh, there have been several people witness that Jesus is to Christ. Peter says, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, right? And so many other people are witnessing to who Jesus is. Behold the Lamb of God. And so we've also seen those miracles. We've seen I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not yet. That's chapter 14. We've seen that he's the bread of life, the living water. And so we've seen those things. And here today, as we get back into chapter 13, we've seen that chapter 12 that, that Jesus says, unless you trust in me, you will never make it into heaven, right? And we see that he walks in, he comes into Jerusalem on that little donkey, humbly, riding lowly on the donkey. And they're, they're saying, hail him, hail him. A few days later, they're going to be saying, nail him, nail him. Crown him, crown him. Crucify him, crucify him. 
And so Jesus comes in and, and he cleanses the temple one more time. We don't see that in this book, but he cleanses the temple one more time. And what happens? They, they reject him completely. And he says that you need to walk while you have the light. And they didn't listen. And so it says he went and hid himself because they would not listen they got to the place that they could not believe. If you will not believe, you finally one day will get to the place where you cannot believe. And so Jesus in chapter 13, we saw that it was the feast of the Passover and he's literally about three days, well, he's actually it's the night before crucifixion and he's, he's up in that upper room with those disciples and he's telling them the things that they need to know and we need to know to live the Christian life, right? But he's up there and what happens, these guys are fighting and arguing over who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus, after supper's over, nobody's washed anybody's feet and they're sitting around this U-shaped table and pretty well everybody's feet is close to each other and they're leaning it back on each other. It's not like the picture uh, Leonardo da Vinci painted at the big temp table with everybody sitting in their places. But anyway, so Jesus gets up, girds himself, and washes their feet, right? And then he, he says that he comes to Peter. Peter says, no, no, never, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you shall never have any part of me. And he says, not my feet only, but my hands and everything. Cleanse me totally, completely. And he says, you are clean. And he says, you've been bathed, but you, but you, and you're, but you are, not all of you are, are clean, right? And so basically what he says is there's 11 of them there at that table that are saved. And the only one that's not saved is Judas. And Judas has not been saved, but what he's telling Peter and what he tells us as we walk through this old world, if we're Christians, our feet get dirty. We need to use 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness, right? Because he died for how many of our sins? All of them, right? Not just some of them, but all of them. And so we've seen that he washes their feet and he says that he wanted not only us, he wasn't setting up an example for foot washing services, but what he was doing was saying, serve each other. Love each other. Care for each other. Do unto others like as I have done to you. Not exactly like I've done to you, but serve each other. I didn't come to, to be a servant, but I came to seek to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so he says, if I've washed your feet, then you should wash up the, your own feet. And he says, a servant is not greater than his master. And he who has sinned is greater than he who sinned him. Verse 16, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. In other words, it's not enough to know the word of God, right? But we need to practice them. And if we're not practicing the word of God, that proves that we've never been changed. We might know it up here, but we've never gotten it here. And so in verse 18, let's read through about verse 30. See if we can get through these verses. He says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I knew whom I have chosen, that's chapter 13, verse 18, but that the scripture may be fulfilled, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. 
Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who, who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the piece of bread had entered him, uh, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought that Judas had the money box and that Jesus had said to him, Buy those things we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. Having received a piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. So let's look at a couple of things here. We're going to see, first of all, that he's talking about these people, but he says, I, don't, I, don't, I speak, speak of you, but I'm not speaking of all of you, right? I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture may be fulfilled. The one who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. If you know anything about your Bibles, that goes all the way back to Psalm 41 where David is speaking of Ahithophel and uh, he, he's, he's a, David's right-hand man. And what does he do? He betrays David and turns on him. And he's like his best friend and he turns on him. And to lift up the heel means to put, on your, put your foot on their neck like to kill them, right? And that's what he's talking about. And Ahithophel tried to have him killed. And, and this is what Judas is doing to Jesus. There was a fulfillment in Ahithophel, what he did to David. But there's a far-reaching fulfillment. Sometimes scriptures speak of what's happening in the past. But sometimes the scriptures talk of not only a fulfillment that happened then, but something that's going to happen in the future. Sort of like the virgin shall be with child. You know, there was a, apparently a woman in Isaiah's time that had a child that was a virgin. But you know what? That spoke of a greater fulfillment, right? That Jesus would be born of a virgin. That he would be the one that Isaiah ultimately spoke about. And scripture does that a lot in the Old Testament. It'll speak of about of a time. But then there's a future fulfillment. There's a partial fulfillment at that time. But then later on it comes completely to pass. And so he's speaking of Judas, ultimately what's happening. And so Judas is going to turn on him and Judas is going to have him killed ultimately. But he says that the scripture might be fulfilled. Remember, Jesus is going to the cross. That was the whole reason he was born, right? To go, to die, to go to the cross, to be buried, to rise again the third day that what? We might have eternal life, right? And so if he didn't go to the cross, guess what? We can't be saved. We can't go to heaven. We can't be forgiven. And so the Bible says in Galatians that if, if Christ, if we can be saved by the law or anything else, that Christ died in vain. And so he's speaking about Judas and he says most assuredly, remember he's going to say that about three or four times here. Remember every time Jesus says most assuredly, what's he saying? 
Listen up, folks. What I'm about to say is very important. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Can you imagine these guys looking around at each other and they're like, who's going to betray him, you know? And then the disciples are looking at each other, perplexed about whom he spoke. See, Judas was there the whole time, this three years that they were doing ministry. And he kept the treasury box and he did all these things. And he looked like he was a trusted disciple, just like everybody else. But you know what? Unfortunately, Judas never was saved. And we'll see a little bit more about that here in a minute. But he says, Now I tell you it before, he, before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am, is really what he's saying. In other words, he's telling them that Judas is going to betray him. There's one that's going to betray him, and he doesn't want those disciples to be caught off guard by the fact that he's betrayed, that he goes to the cross, and he dies, and he's buried. He doesn't want them to think that he doesn't know that because Jesus is God, right? He knows everything. There were times he didn't know. He chose not to know everything when he was here on earth, right? What did he say? No one, but not even the angels in heaven or the Son of Man knows when. He didn't even know when he was coming back to get his church. But he said, only the Father in heaven. But now that he's in heaven, he knows, right? <laughs> he just chose to lay that information aside. And so he says, I want you to understand, I'm going to tell you something's going to happen, and I'm going to tell you before it happens so that what? You may know that I'm God, that I am. And so he says, most assuredly, and there's that most assuredly again, he who, I say to you, he who receives whomever I will send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He's kind of giving Judas another invitation. Saying, trust me, Judas. Believe on me. Judas was not a, a, a robot. He willingly chose to betray Jesus. He thought there was money, power, prestige to be had. And you know what? That's what he wanted. And when he found out that that, that wasn't going to happen, what does he do? He betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. And he turns him in so he can get some money because he realizes this train's going nowhere. That Jesus is not going to be the king. They're not going to conquer Rome. And he's not going to be in charge of everything. And so what is he saying to Judas? He's saying, look, Judas trusted me. Believe in me. Receive me right now. Because the Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that God, uh, every time somebody goes into hell because they won't trust Christ, I believe he sheds a tear. That he's not happy about that, right? God doesn't want us to die. He doesn't want us to go to hell. He wants us to go to heaven. And that's why he wants, he gave us all this information and he proved that Jesus was God so that people could come to him and trust in him. But, but some people will never trust in Christ, unfortunately. And so he says, he, he looks back, sorry, I, I kind of got back on myself and he's, I jumped back, didn't I? <laughs> sorry, I jumped back on my scripture. I'm explaining something again. And so he says, the disciples were looking at each other perplexed, and now they was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. 
So Jesus loves who? All of them, right? But there was a special one that he loved. And John always wrote that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. And I think he did it for two reasons. One, he, he, you know, he never did get over the fact that Jesus really loved him so much. And we don't know exactly why he always said that, but he was trying to remain anonymous, right? He didn't want to go around saying, I'm the disciple Jesus loved, you know. But maybe they had this special relationship because John was also the first cousin of Jesus. I don't know if y'all know that. Do you know John the Baptist and John the disciple both were the first cousins of Jesus? They were both first cousins. Both of them were. And maybe they have a special relationship because of their family. But whatever it is, John's always referred to as the disciple that Jesus loves. And so he's leaning back on Jesus' uh, bosom, back on his chest. Remember they're all sitting around this table, this U-shaped table. And if they're all right-handed, they're leaning on that left elbow with their feet straight out in front of them, and they're eating with their right hand, right? And so they're leaning back, and Jesus is there, and and, uh, Simon Peter, therefore, you know, Simon, he always has to know everything, right? He's the leader of the group, and, and Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to John, the disciple Jesus loved, and and motioned to him to ask who it was that of whom he spoke, right? Peter, he got to know who it was, right? And so then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? And maybe he said it really quietly because I don't think if any of this next part was said out loud, loud enough for the disciples to understand and know that Judas was going to betray Jesus and he was going to be killed because of him, I don't think Judas would ever made it out of that room. They'd have killed him before he got out of the room. And so he says, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered to John, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And so we see that, that Judas, he's on the left-hand side. And he's in the place of honor. And he's sitting in this place of honor. And so Jesus, first of all, gives him an invitation and says, receive the one who sent. Because he was sent, and if you receive him, you receive the one who sent him. And if you receive the one who sent him, God the Father, you receive the Son, right? And so he comes back and he says, he gives him a piece of bread. And really what this, this is kind of a, they kind of translated this. But what it would have been, would it would have been a really good piece of herb or a good piece of meat. A really good piece of meat or a herb. And they would have dipped it in the sauce, right? And then they would have, because he was being honored, Jesus dipped it and basically put it in, put it up to G- Judas's mouth and fed him and honored him, honored the one who was going to kill him. Because, see, he was still trying to get to Judas, trying to stop Judas from being the one who betrayed him, the one who was going to... Uh, go and tell him where he was at so they could come and find him and kill him. And he's still like hurting because Judas is going to die and go to hell. And, and he dipped the bread. He gave it to Judas, the son of Simon. And it says, now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. See, Judas, he'd already made his decision. He'd already... 
decided to turn Christ in. And it says that the moment he did that, that Satan entered him. He wasn't just demon-possessed. He was possessed by the demon of demons, Satan. Satan came into him, and he entered him. And then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. In other words, I don't know how long you were going to wait, Judas. I don't know if you wait till tomorrow or what you were going to do, but Judas, whatever you do, just go on and turn me in. Go ahead and do it because the scripture's got to be fulfilled, right? This is Thursday night. What, what happens Friday? They kill all those Passover lambs. And during the time that the Passover lambs are killed, what happens? That's the time that Jesus is dying because he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, right? And so he was a picture. Jesus was at what those lambs represented was he's the one who's going to die in our place and die for our sin. That's what John the Baptist said two times. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so nobody at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. See, nobody knew. Had they known, you think Judas would have made it out of their life? I don't think so. If they'd have known that he was going to turn Jesus in. But he says, for some reason, they thought, for some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus said to him, go buy the things we need, or that he should give something to the poor. And having received a piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. So, Jesus says, Judas, whatever you do, go and do quickly. And he does. He gets up. He leaves. And notice what it says. It says, he went out immediately, and it was night. You know what that means? He went out into eternal darkness. Because at that point, his fate was sealed. He'd made the decision. He'd given his life to Satan instead of Christ. He turned his back on Jesus. And you know what? It was too late for him at that point. He went out. It was night. I don't know if you remember when we've been talking about this book off and on in the book of John and in the book of 1 John that we also taught. Remember, uh, John always uses these terms light and darkness, right? And he uses that term light to speak of Jesus and holiness and purity and righteousness and truth. And he speaks of darkness and night to speak of unrighteousness and lies and unholiness and error and all those things, lies. But see, here it says it was night and he went out. And so some people want to say that Judas lost his salvation. Well, you know what the Bible says? Whoever believes has not will have salvation but has right now eternal life eternal life is not going to heaven that's part of it that's the best part of it but eternal life is is being a christian right here right now i have eternal life and if you know christ you have eternal life and we experience that's why we are able to experience that joy and that peace and that abundant life that I talked about a couple of weeks ago because we are Christians in spite of the trouble in spite of the problems in spite of the pain in spite of the way we've been treated and the things we've done we can be forgiven and, and we can live with joy and peace and abundant life in spite of this stuff Jesus said, John 16, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. 
And because he's overcome the world, what did we see in 1 John 5? Who is he that overcomes the world? It is he that believes that Jesus is the Christ. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. <laughs> faith is the victory, right? When we trust in Christ, we have the ability to overcome. John 8 says, we are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors through him who died for us. And so we can have that joy, that peace, that abundant life. But Judas, because he turned his back on Jesus, he died and went to hell. He went and hung himself because he was never a believer. Remember what he said? I mean, if Judas would, was next to Jesus for three years, if Jesus wasn't God, don't you think, or there was something wrong with him, or he uh, did something wrong, and he couldn't prove that he was God, don't you think he'd have told everybody? Because he was along for the ride. But see, Judas went and hung himself because he was never saved. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, Now rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. See, Judas, later on, he's sorry, and he throws the money down. But what does he do? He goes and hangs himself, right? But he says, For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss of nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. People don't know the Lord. That's usually where they go to. They will hang themselves, kill themselves, because they don't have the joy of the Lord. Because they don't know what else to do, but they don't realize that when they do that, they're making it way worse because they're not headed to heaven. They're headed to hell. And Judas went and hung himself. And it's a sad case. You know what? But that's why the Bible over and over and over again gives all these pleas, all these questions and says, come to the Lord. Turn today. Today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved over and over and over again. And the Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish. But it all should be saved, right? Come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, churches are filled with people who are like Judas. They heard the words up here, but they never heard them here. They never bowed to me. They never repented. They never turned from their sins. They never asked God to forgive them and save them because they realized they had a need for a Savior. They either thought they were too good to be saved uh, that they needed to be saved or they uh, thought they were too bad to be saved or they were going to get there by something that the church taught them that they were going to get there because they were confirmed or uh, took communion or baptized or, or joined the church or they were pretty good people you know that's what I grew up thinking when I was for, for the first almost 30 years of my life that I was a pretty good fella and I was going to heaven because I was a pretty good fella one day in the church, the Lord said, Marty, you're a pretty bad fella. You need me. <laughs> and I said, oh, God, that's me. And you know what? God heard the cry in my heart that day. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that's what I did that day. Oh, God, that's me. Save me. I didn't, I, I didn't pray a prayer. I didn't say anything. I just said, oh, God, that's me. That's what I need. 
And you know what? God heard what was in here. And he said, Marty, you're my child. Starting right now. One day you're going to be in heaven with me. And that was a glorious day, right? And you know what? That's what it's all about. Is that's why Jesus came. He didn't come so that people would do what Judas did. But he came so that we might have life and life abundantly. That we might ultimately one day we might have that peace of heaven here on earth. But one day we get the full thing when we get to heaven, right? What's that old verse in Romans 8, 18? The suffering of this world is not worthy to be compared with the glory which we'll have in heaven. Right? We've got that old rugged cross right now. But one day we're going to exchange it for a crown. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for these folks here today. We just lift each person up here. And we pray that each and every person here that knows that they know that they know if they died today that they'd go to heaven. And if they don't, Lord, they would just ask you to forgive them right now. I ask you to save them as we celebrate the fact that, that Jesus died for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. He was buried and he rose again the third day as we sang. Up from the grave he arose. He conquered death. He conquered hell. And he died and he was buried and he rose again the third day so that we could be forgiven and saved and, and declared righteous. And so Father, thank you that when there was no way to get to heaven, you made a way through Jesus. That he purchased us with his own blood as it says in Acts 20 verse 28. So Lord, we ask that somebody here, if they don't know you, they would ask you to forgive them and save them. Or maybe stay after and talk to me a few minutes if they've got some questions and don't understand. Lord, and the rest of us that know that we know that we know if we die today, we go to heaven. That we just thank you for who you are and what you've done and how much you loved us. That you gave your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless y'all. I hope y'all have a great rest of the day. And uh, we're going to have some rainy ones the next few days, I think. I brought y'all some tomatoes.